This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. everybody welcome back to the turn the jets podcast i'm your host will parkinson at will on twitter instagram and tiktok joined by a very special guest today anyone that's a jets fan is very familiar with his face his voice his big smile on jets game days ethan greenberg <laughs> e greenberg jets uh ethan how are we doing today good i appreciate it how you doing i'm good man i'm good, good. We, uh we're recording this about 10, 15 minutes or so. Um, actually, maybe an hour at this point. I just lost track of time. After, yeah, what time is it? After, Five, yeah. yeah. After, after, the Jets, uh, after the Jets made their kind of initial 53-man roster, obviously everyone knows there's going to be some roster manipulation, mm-hmm. and guys going on IR and waivers and all that stuff. That said, um, I guess big picture, were you surprised at all with any of the guys that um, either were cut or were kept? Because um, obviously a couple of names on either side, you know, always kind of catch a right. eye. I feel like the biggest surprise, you know, and I feel like nothing's really surprising after six seasons of of seeing this, but I feel like the biggest surprise was Jason Pinnock just because he felt like after transitioning from cornerback to safety, after seeing where he played in terms of who he was playing next to, like he got some run with the starters throughout training camp in the preseason. He thought that, you know, he would see significant playing time in the 2022 regular season then to be waived. I mean, that, that was a pretty big surprise to me, but I think that going back to what coach Sala said, it, it's really a credit to Tony Adams, the undrafted free agent out of Illinois and the jets like what he has to bring. And he offers interesting versatility. He's got, I remember talking to Dane Brugler once the Jets signed Tony Adams and Dane Brugler of the athletic, the, the draft guru. He was saying that when he watched the tape on Tony Adams, he had legitimate traits. And then, you know, maybe the production wasn't quite what you wanted to see on tape, but he had legitimate traits to be an NFL player. And, and I think that's probably what the Jets saw. So to me, Jason Pinnock was probably the biggest surprise in terms of players that were let go, you know, in terms of players that were kept, uh, I, I wouldn't really say there was a surprise there. I think the best story is outside of the undrafted free agents, meaning Tony Adams and Zonovan Bam Knight is an undrafted free agent from the 2020 class with the jets. That's tight end Lawrence cager who signed as wide receiver Lawrence cager. So I think that's just an awesome story because I think fans really like Lawrence cager. You know, he's a, he was an interesting prospect as a receiver and Robert Sala kind of joked about it in his press conference just a couple minutes ago, like 45 minutes ago, he said that, 
he was talking to Cager and he said, Hey man, like you went from a slower wide receiver to a faster tight end. And he's obviously a receiving prowess tight end as opposed to a blocking prowess, but he offers a cool skill set. And I think what you need to do in this offense, you need to not be afraid of contact and not be a liability in the run game. And Robert Sala gives all the credit in the world to Cager for not being a liability in the run game. And we kind of saw that in the preseason. Yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned Pinnock. I was, I was frankly a little bit surprised that they not only moved off of Pinnock, but they also moved off of Will Park. So I figured right. um, kind of one or the two may stick. I think both got one trips during camp, both, you know, showed some things at the end of the year last year. I know both were, um, you know, Parks is, you know, kind of more of a veteran. I think he's in year seven, which is crazy. Yeah, kind of forget I'm, I'm glad that. you mentioned him though, because I, I, I think it's an important point to note that if you're playing like, roster politics and if you're gm will parks being in in his seventh year versus uh let's say jason pinnock or let's just use uh adams and ashton davis as examples both on the roster both of those guys meaning ashton davis and tony adams would be subject to waivers where will parks will not be so if the Jets wanted to, let's say, re-sign Will Parks to the 53 or the practice squad, it's a bit of an easier process because the control is in the player versus the team. So let's say hypothetically, or let's use Jason Pinnock as the example. Let's say the Jets want to bring him back to the practice squad and he needs to clear waivers. So that, that choice is not up to him. That choice is up to the 31 other general managers in the NFL. And if he clears waivers, then it's up to him where if you, uh, if you flat out cut a guy who's, isn't subject to waivers like Will Parks, like Tevin Coleman's another example, that player can decide where he wants to go. So obviously we're not privy to the conversations that happen behind closed doors, but Will Parks had been having a great camp. I, and I think he was very impressive. Even from the first game late in the year, he steps in, he starts, he had a good game. And I think that the Jets saw that, but also you always have to keep in mind the the waiver wire versus just being flat out released i don't know if it had a role in this scenario but it's something to keep in mind yeah it's definitely actually bam night and the bam night discussion like he was going to get i in my opinion was going to get claimed if he got mm -hmm. cut um tevin coleman's well liked by the staff he's a guy that he's a very much a him and will parks are probably the number two the one and two guys of they clear you know whatever they get the roster logistics, whoever goes on IR, which, you know, most likely there's not going to be anybody, but guys to waivers, he's a guy that could come back and you can do some right. roster gymnastics there. Um, I was not look, Chris Traveler was, would have been awesome to be able to keep. You have to always keep in mind that like he did it in the game for the jets last year. And I think from a coaching perspective, as much as Chris Traveler is really exciting and I would have been great to keep him. He has a more similar style of play to Zach than maybe Mike White does. That said, it just whatever again Mike White did in a game and as a staff when you go into it in a week and God forbid look if Mike White's playing there's probably something else that's gone wrong this year but that said mm -hmm. you want to be able to be confident in the guy that you know they look like a formidable uh you know NFL quarterback the only other couple guys I was surprised Jonathan Marshall gets cut in favor of Nathan Shepard um just because you know Marshall was drafted by this regime Shepard obviously was not um you know it had a, a, quite a few penalties last year mm -hmm. and then the only other last one that I'll, I'll mention I'm not sure if you kind of your thoughts on this I was a bit surprised to say the least that they are very thin at tackle right now. I know they were looking at trading Chuma Doga. There were some conversations apparently with the Cowboys yesterday, obviously nothing materialized, but they also cut Herman's um, and I believe McDermott or McDermott. Yeah. They cut right. McDermott as well. So 
think they're only they might only have three tackles in the roster right now. So yep. um, do you expect that maybe they'll be either be aggressive there or one of those guys could come back? Because I don't think you're going into the season with three tackles. Yeah, I think it's a good point. And I think it's one always a position that Joe Douglas is consistently looking to add to. So as we record this, I'm sure the waiver wire priority not in terms of where the jets are but in terms of who the jets would want to put a claim in that process is probably happening right now and you know i I think that the jets could definitely be in the market to add one at any position but specifically tackle just because joe douglas consistently wants to upgrade the offensive line and from a numbers perspective that's where the jets don't have a lot of numbers compared to the interior dan feeney nate herbig both on the interior both remain on the roster the initial 53-man roster so yeah I, i think it's a good point i also think that if one of those well chuma doga is the only one subject to waiver so if he clears waivers maybe he comes back Connor mcdermott i believe is past the waiver um qualifications so maybe the jets try to bring him back or maybe they try to add a, a, another player through the waiver wire or through a trade i mean I, I don't think that the jets are ever satisfied with their offensive line and you know, not that this should be a surprise. The Jets could have like five Pro Bowl offensive linemen and they'd still want more. You know, like that's just how Joe Douglas and Robert Sala are wired. So I definitely think that that tackle could be in the mix in the next coming days, really the next coming weeks before the Jets line up Sunday, September 11th against the Ravens. Yeah, I think um, I wouldn't be surprised if they look at safety. Um, linebacker, they're obviously a bit thinner. Um, Hamza Nasruddin, another guy was a converted. Mm-hmm. Um, Sherwood obviously outplayed him during camp from when I was there. Obviously, you can probably speak better to it. But, um, yeah, they're always going to look at, you know, safety, linebacker, offensive line. The Jets, you just, like, look what Joe Douglas has done the last couple of years. He's actually been very active and, quite frankly, very successful um, with undrafted guys and waiver wire guys where, Definitely. you know, not just the Bryce Huffs of the world and, you know, hopefully Michael Piran. I mean, I don't know if Definitely not with Michael Piran. Um, but, you know, Barrios, no, but JFM. Like, but, but to your point, Braxton Barrios, um, Quincy Williams last year, I mean, yep. wa- waiver fine and then has a career year over 100 tackles. I mean, that's hard to do. You know, that I don't I don't know how common it is in the NFL, but I feel like it's not that common because you're talking about a guy that was let go from an NFL team. And then to have that kind of success that Quincy has or in Braxton Berrios for that pers- or for that matter, too. I think those are two great examples. Yeah, even you look at uh, it's crazy. Quincy got cut from the Jaguars, who objectively were worse than the Jets last year and then comes in as a starter. Um, obviously, kind of moving along to want to get you kind of your. Um, take on Robert Sala's comments on Zach Wilson. Um, and from my perspective, you know, obviously the Jets easily could have said Zach's not playing week one. They've had multiple mm-hmm. opportunities. He's obviously progressing well from what Joe Douglas mentioned Sunday afternoon. Um, obviously things get caught in translation and Twitter tweets and all these different things. Kind of talk to me just a little bit about kind of what you took away from, I guess, uh, you know, what he mentioned about Zach's potential for week one. Sounds like if he practices next week, he'll play. If he doesn't, he won't. But I guess it's going to be too cut and dry. Yeah, I feel like Robert Sala just doesn't want to pigeonhole himself, right? Because this is the same guy, and, you know, he's the, as he describes, the eternal optimist. I mean, the whole, he got burned by the Mackay Becton situation because he was out there. He's like, oh, I think, you know, I think he's going to be okay. And then, obviously, he goes on injured reserve, going to miss the year. So, I think that he's just not pigeonholing himself. There was a clip of Zach Wilson pedaling on the bike pregame, and the truth of the matter is that, I don't think the Jets are going to rush him back. And whenever Zach Wilson feels ready, he'll go out there. And and the Jets also want to make sure that he's 100% because this is the interesting part to me. Throughout training camp, 
up to the point where Zach Wilson hurt his knee, Zach Wilson had been a little more decisive in tucking it and running as opposed to waiting around in the pocket for something to break down to try to force a ball into a tight window. He'd see space. And if it were, you know, let's say move the ball situation in training camp, he'd see space, be like, all right, let's move the sticks, take off and run, get five or six yards, get the first down, move the chain. So to me, if if I'm the Jets, I want to make sure that he's comfortable in the knee, that he still wants to do that. And obviously last season, we saw a little bit of that at the end of the year, specifically with the Jaguars game, the long touchdown run, but that's something that is a skill set in Zach Wilson's arsenal. And you want him to be decisive with that because it'll help the offense flow, right? If first, uh, if you if you have the option to get six yards or to dance around in the pocket, get the six yards. So, and I think that you just want to feel comfortable that Zach's comfortable in his knee. So with that being said, you know, I think the jets are just kind of in wait and see mode, right? Like that as silly as it sounds, like one day he might just be like, you know what? No, I'm good. Like, let's go. Like I'll, I'll try practicing. And one day or the day before that, he might be a little cautious about it. So I'm just trying to think about it from my perspective. Like if I hurt my knee one day, I'd be like, you know what? Like, no, I think I'm good enough to try to play some pickup hoops. And one day I'm not, you know, like, I, I know that sounds pretty silly to a degree, but I just think that, that, it's going to be a two-way street. And you know that the Jets like a ramp-up period. Like they had one with Dwayne Brown. I know he's an older player. When players come back from injury, there always is that little bit of a ramp-up period. But we'll see what that case may be for Zach if and when that's the case. Yeah, look, at the end of the day, they're not going to rush Zach. Obviously, everyone's jobs are tied to right. somewhat tied to you know how the quarterback does and, and all that type of stuff. Kind of looking ahead to Baltimore, um, you know, obviously everyone's talked about camp a million times and you and EA do a great job every day and, and all that stuff. But obviously, everyone's excited for the regular season, so kind of want to transition that way. Like the Ravens on paper, and, and for what that matter, the first four games are difficult from the division, the history, and things of that nature. But there are like every game is a winnable game in the NFL. And I, from my perspective, the Jets have invested a ton of money and they've invested a ton mm -hmm. of picks. Like there should be expectations. They should be able to win every game. Um, what do you feel like the, maybe either the keys against the Ravens are going to be, or kind of what's your mm -hmm. expectation level going to the game of like where they need to be strongest to try to get a W there? Yeah. Um, the first thing I would say is just outside of Lamar turn Jackson. the ball over. <laughs> yeah. Right. Outside, outside of the, the former MVP. But in all seriousness, like, I think step one is just not turning the ball over. And if you turn the ball over, you have a lesser chance to win any game in the NFL. And so I, I think that turnovers will play a big factor in it. If the Jets are able to run the football, I think that also plays a big factor in what the Jets want to do. Not only because it, it opens things up for them in terms of play action, it also keeps Lamar Jackson off the field if you're able to establish the run and chew up some clock. So I, that's kind of where I'm looking right now. I know we're a couple of weeks away from that. And when you look at the Ravens on paper, you look at their secondary totally revamped Marcus Williams and Kyle Hamilton, both in the back end. And then also they have two very good corners in Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphrey. So if you're able to run the ball, if you're able to establish an identity up front, I think that should just be able to open things up for the pass game and specifically for the Jets receivers, because on paper, the Ravens secondary, I would argue is the strength of that defense right now. So that's kind of where I go turnovers and um, what did I just say turnovers and establishing the run. So that that's where I'm at right now.
Yeah, no, I look, I think we saw it a little bit. Um, I believe I saw this stat on Twitter and then I looked at myself because you never know with Twitter. Um, I believe it's like they're, the Ravens are one in five in their last six row games where a team doesn't turn the ball over and they're some, you know, 700 winning percentage when the team does. So um, against any explosive offense, you want them to obviously control the clock. Um, we should see a lot more 12 personnel as, you know, you obviously saw a bunch during camp. There's a lot of Conklin and Uzama, obviously Rucker and Cadrell worked themselves in there. Um, Flacco, it, it'll be interesting to see what Joe Flacco, if he is the day, if he does start week one. I know there's the revenge game stuff. I know you guys got to talk to him a little bit, a bit about it. I mean, yeah, I think he joked about the Steve Smith revenge game back in the day, although Flacco and Steve Smith's personality is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, but like what kind of a game should we expect kind of what Flacco pretty much has done when he's since he's been with the Jets? He's obviously performed pretty decently. He's always had like the one turnover, but other yeah. than that, throw for 300 yards most of the games. Yeah, so it's interesting because and Robert Sala alluded to this a couple of weeks ago. Joe Flacco's record as a starter with the Jets, he has not won a game, but the stats in those games are in fact encouraging. If you even just think to last year against the Dolphins, like Joe Flacco had a good game against the Dolphins, and he had that long touchdown to Elijah Moore, the 62-yard catch and run. And when Joe Flacco took over, first team refs when Zach was hurt. In training camp, like he, he played well, he performed well. And uh, Rich Samini told me the other day on when actually on the radio on game day that Joe Flacco performed a little better than he was anticipating to. And, uh, and I know what the narrative is around Joe Flacco, like particularly after he left Baltimore because he bounced around from the Broncos to the Jets to the Eagles back to the Jets. And, you know, he hasn't really had an opportunity, but like he can still throw the ball. And I think that Joe Flacco is a calming presence in the sense that he's going to go out there no matter if it's the Jets defense in training camp or if he does get the call week one against the Baltimore Ravens and he'll kind of know what to expect right like he might not have the wheels that Zach has or the mobility that Joe Flacco even once had as a rookie back in the day with the Ravens but he's going to know what to expect and he's going to be able to dissect something easily and tell players what to do and not to say that zach wilson can't do that he just hasn't seen as much football as joe flacco that's the nature of being you know early 20s versus later in your 30s and so that's kind of what i would expect and I, i would expect him to play well because to your point will the jets are a better team at every level why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. 
That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. On offense, pretty much every position on the team, but every level, Lakin Tomlinson, Dwayne Brown, the addition, huge addition there. Garrett Wilson on the outside, Brees Hall in the backfield, not to mention the growth from all the rookies last year to year two now. Elijah Barrett Tucker, I don't think gets talked about enough. Elijah Moore, Michael Carter, like the, the Jets might be in a position where they have a lot of very good players. It's just going to be a question of how quickly can they put it together? Specifically, how quickly will they be able to put it together week one? Yeah, it's funny. You mentioned uh, you mentioned some of the guys there, like uh, Dwayne Brown. I don't think we've talked, people have really talked about it at all. I mean, he looks pretty decent. He graded out well, mm-hmm. first 22 pass snaps. He had, like, he's played like <laughs> three practices. Um, no one really talks about AVT. Great day for the AVT trade. Kellen Mond and Wyatt Davis, both the third round picks the Jets traded for, uh, you know, AVT, both got cut today, 12 months in. Um, that's always a good sign. Usually, um, unless you do something illegal, usually you do not get cut after one year. Um, mm-hmm. So that's not great. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the talent level is, you know, tremendous. I want to kind of touch on two guys, you know, really quick. Um, you mentioned one of them, Garrett Wilson. I, from what I've seen of him, I've only been at four or five of the practices, but the explosion, I mean, this is all stuff that and we talked about the combine and stuff like that, but yeah. this is, you know, seeing it in person now, obviously it's a little different. Um, the explosion, the acceleration, the speed, you know, the hands, he makes these crazy catches. I think, I don't know about you, but I, I feel like a lot of these are concentration drops of like trying so hard to do so much, right. You kind of like, you overthink it. Like that wasn't really, my game wasn't really speed. Mine was more catching. So I didn't really have that problem, but um, what have you kind of seen from Wilson and, should anyone be worried about a lot of, you know, some of these drops that have happened? Cause you see the highlight reel catches one against the Falcons and a couple of yeah. practice. No, I, I wouldn't be worried, you know, unless it starts happening in the regular season that I think is more of a storyline, but right now I'd say no. And Garrett Wilson, you know, I, I'm actually writing this in a story. I literally said like, don't let his frame fool you because this is the same thing in college at Ohio state. Like he can go up and get the ball with the best of them. Like he's got, a freaky athletic build, like he's wiry, he's got big hands, and he can go up and get the ball, and not to mention, like, he can make you look silly once he has the ball in his hands, and and that's a big thing, and Robert Sala talked about a long time in the offseason, home run hitters, guys that can take a ball, a thing, you know, a five-yard slant and go 75 yards or go 50 yards. Garrett Wilson was responsible for four 50-plus yard plays this past season at Ohio State. Three of them were catches. One of them was a run. He's dynamic. He's versatile. And by all accounts, it seems like that the transition for him has been pretty seamless. Now, we'll see what happens once the regular season comes when he's facing the best of the best of the best all the time, because in training camp and the preseason teams are banged up. Teams are getting guys, different looks like you never really know. It's not really like a mono mono matchup at all times. Now with the jets, has he gotten sauce Gardner and sauce Gardner gotten him at times? Definitely. I'd say so. But 
you, you want to see what he has to offer. And then also the biggest problem, not even a problem, but the biggest hurdle for rookies, I don't think is right now. I think that's later. I think it's like the rookie wall, the quote unquote rookie wall. So, you know, will, will his production slow down at all? Now for Elijah Moore, that didn't happen. Elijah Moore, actually his production accelerated as the year went on before he got hurt. So that's kind of where I'm looking with Garrett Wilson. And I just want to say this in terms of the receiver room, people often, I think, either forget or don't talk about Corey Davis. Corey Davis was the best Jets receiver in camp and play after play. He was consistent, whether that was a 50, 50 ball, whether that was, you know, third and short, need a first down slant, stick it on you and use his frame to get the first down. He had a very good training camp and the arrow is definitely pointing up for Corey Davis, who again, two years ago was 16 yards shy of a thousand yards. So, you know, I, I'm, most curious about Corey Davis to see what he brings in the regular season because he looked extremely sharp. Yeah, you look at you look at Davis. I think he had 400 odd yards and four touchdowns through three or four games last year. He was on pace for a thousand and ten touchdowns. Mm -hmm. Some of the drops early on, but majority of the time he looked pretty good. So definitely, uh, you add him, Elijah Moore in year two, healthy Garrett Wilson should. And, you know, no one's even talking about Braxton Berrios. You saw his, you know, ability uh, pretty clearly in the Giants game. He takes a takes a basically a little bubble screen for 21 yards, right. just shot out of a cannon. Last guy I want to kind of quickly touch on, you mentioned him there, Sauce Gardner. And I, mm -hmm. I don't know about you, but I every time you see Sauce during practice, it's Tony Adams is in his ear. He's talking to DJ Reed. He's learning constantly. Obviously, he's talking trash and all these different things. But I think people think he just, like, walked on the – like, he preps and he works – really damn hard and yeah. you can see it um were you i mean obviously big expectations right he's the fourth overall pick oh Darrell revis cromarty the whole thing i almost think he's exceeded expectations for a rookie corner from a small school day one walked on an nfl field and was easily one of the three or four best defensive players on the field you could argue probably higher um were you surprised at all with how quickly sauce acme of the nfl or are you like this kind of par for the course for what he did in college yeah it, it, it's a great question um I don't want to say surprised, but I, I do feel like for any rookie, you kind of expect bumps in the road that are more visible. Some type of bumps. To, right. And like, don't get me wrong. I'm sure there were bumps in the road and there were plays where, you know, he was beat and there were plays where let's say, for example, maybe Corey Davis got the best of him, but it did feel like a lot of the time sauce Gardner wasn't really like tried on. And, you know, if you're watching the play, you're taking it in for or I was like from the sideline. You don't get the, the eye in the sky, the all 22, the press box view where you can go back and kind of see what he was doing. So all that to say, like, I was very impressed. Was I surprised? I mean, I, I feel like there were definitely bumps in the road, but maybe what you and I describe as a bump in the road, you know, my, the coaches might say something different, right? Like where the coaches might be going over specific technique on a certain route, even though the result was good. Right. Like, let's say he forced an incompletion, but back in the meeting room, his position coach, whether it be Tony Oden, Mark Juan Manuel, be like, you know what? Like, you should use this hand here. And da, da, da. like, I would never say that. I would never know to look for that. You know what I mean? So I was very impressed with Sauce. The moment is not too big for him. And what really struck me is just how long he is, right? Like, obviously, he's 6'3, 200, but he's so long that if he is ever beat on a play one he has the four four speed to catch up Two, his arm is so long that if it, the ball is even slightly underthrown, he'll have a chance to knock it down and there was actually one play um 
Braxton Berrios got around him. I don't remember exactly what the route was, but he got around him. He had a step on him and sauce caught up and knocked the ball down. And that's because sauce got length. He's got speed. He's got all the desirable traits you want in a football player, specifically a corner. So to me, that's just, you know, we'll see what happens when the lights come on. And I know that on paper, maybe the Ravens don't have the best receiving core compared to, you know, maybe let's say week two, Amari Cooper, right? Like the, the Ravens top receiver right now, would you argue is Rashad Bateman? So I don't know. I'm kind of curious to see what happens when he goes up against the best of the best, because also throughout training camp, you get used to tendencies, but when the jets went up against the Falcons and giants, it's not like he was getting beat every play either. So it's going to be interesting to see for sauce because all the signs right now for all the jets rookies, really pointing up specifically the three first round picks all pointing up. And it starts at number four overall with sauce. Yeah, no, I don't know why I said Tony Adams. I meant Tony Odin, obviously. Um, it's but yeah, enough. no, yeah, no, I know. I guess we'll get last question. We'll get you out of here. And you don't have to, I'm not going to ask you for a record prediction. You'll get you, I'm sure you guys will get to that and do your own, you know, articles and stuff. But um, is it fair to say, like, you, we should see substantial improvement in the win column this year for the Jets? Like, I understand that everything's about Zach and all this stuff, right. but. I don't think that people are going to be like, oh, Zach, if Zach's awesome or Zach's even pretty good, like they're not going to win four games. Like that's just not how the NFL works. Um, mm-hmm. Is it fair to expect like this team should be competing with the Miamis and New Englands for second place? Obviously, Buffalo is the class of probably the league right now. Um, but is it fair to say they should compete with Miami and New England? Because I think it is if you look at the rosters. I think that for at least the New Jets, England. <laughs> <laughs> I think for the Jets, like I, I think that they could compete in any game. I mean, the, the talent is, is definitely real on this team and the influx of talent, the belief in each other, like a lot of that stuff is real. And obviously a lot of luck, not, I don't want to say luck, but a lot of, uh, yeah, let's go with luck in the NFL kind of goes with health, right? Like the bills have been a very healthy team and they're obviously a very talented team, but for the jets, I definitely think they can be competitive in basically every game that they want to be. I mean, they're going to have to establish an identity early in the season. And you know, the brand of football they want to have, they want to be dominant up front. They want to play sticky coverage. They want to try to turn the ball over on defense on offense. They want to let the run help open up things for the pass. They want to mirror up the run in the past. So first down run on the outside looks like a third down play action pass on a boot. So for the jets, I definitely think the influx of talent is real. I think that they could be competitive. I think also one of the things and we kind of talked about this is the rookie class. They have pretty high expectations of themselves from a pretty early point of the year, but it's rare in my opinion that you see like rookies just come on and dominate at their position from an early part of the season. So, you know, I, I do want to like, I'm not trying to pump the brakes, but I just want to say that there is going to be a learning curve for a lot of these young players to learn how to play in the NFL, to learn how to play with each other. So I just want to, I want that to be stated because I think that's going to be a hurdle for the jets to clear because the jets do have, the players do have high expectations for each other. Like Garrett Wilson, I can tell you has high expectations for himself. Same with sauce Gardner, same with Jermaine Johnson, Brees Hall, et cetera. And while those guys could be effective early for the team, you know, it's going to, there will be rookie hurdles here and there because that's just the nature of the NFL. So I think that the arrow is pointing up overall. I think that the Jets can compete in pretty much any game that they want to. And we'll see what happens in year two. But I, I can tell you right now that if you're a Jets fan, there's definitely reason for optimism this year compared to recent years. 
Yeah. Well, you're obviously not all gas, no brakes. So Salah's not going to talk to you anymore, but uh, no, hey, I'm, I'm, a, this, I'm a city kid, right? There's too much traffic for no brakes. Yeah, no, Syracuse, man. I'm a Cortland person, whatever. Yeah. But uh, no, obviously um, I'm on the same page. You look at the end of the day, all everything's going to come down to a two and how these rookies and these second year guys take the leap. If AVT and Elijah Moore take the leaps to being the guys that the pro bowl level players this year, mm-hmm. the trajectory changes. If, Brees Hall comes in and it's Jonathan Taylor year one, like the trajectory changes or Definitely. vice versa. If they take six, eight, 10 weeks to get started with their schedule, it's going to be a much slower burn, but they've actually added veterans. They can stay healthy. We saw what happened with Carl Lawson when he went down last year, um, mm-hmm. you know, getting DJ Reed, Tomlinson, these guys on the field for 17 is going to be huge. Obviously yeah, anyone and, that, and, yeah. and like Jordan Whitehead too, like a lot He's of these huge guys have championship one. pedigree. He's huge week one. You got to be able to tackle Lamar and yep. not let him miss anybody. Darrell Reeves' cousin, no one talks about that, but mm-hmm. uh, well, maybe you get to talk about it, but I feel like fans don't enough. Um, yeah, obviously make sure, you know, anyone that's, you know, following, you know, the Jets obviously, you know, follows your work and, and the work you guys do, but make sure you're following Ethan on Twitter. Uh, you know, obviously make sure you guys are plugged into, you know, the Jets team website, obviously pre-practice, post-practice, all the interviews and stuff like that, but obviously appreciate you coming on, my man. Appreciate it. Thank you very much. Talk to you soon. Ah, mm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.